Bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to another episode of EveryoneHatesMarketers.com, the No Fluff Actionable Marketing Podcast for marketers, marketing consultants, founders who are sick of shady, aggressive marketing. I'm your host, Louis Grenier. In today's episode, you'll learn how to offend people and create fucking good content. Uh, my guest today believes most people are crippled by a fear of being truly honest and that in marketing, that leads to boring content that no one really cares and no one really notices. My guest is the founder of Offended Marketing, which is a content marketing agency doing things a bit differently, as you might have guessed. Uh, so that's why I'm happy to have you, Dan Kelso, on board. Welcome. Hello, mate. It's uh, very good to, to meet you over, over the internet. Over the DigiWeb, as we say. Yeah, it sounds a bit weird, that, but... <laughs> so why do you people, uh, why do you believe people are, are crippled by, by the fear of being honest? Like, where do you think that's the case? Um, because people, naturally as well, people care too much about what other people think. And uh, in doing that, they lose sight of who, who it is that they're trying to actually reach and, and talk to. And, uh, and they end up trying to please everybody. And you can't please everybody in life or in marketing. So, it's a lot of bollocks, isn't it? Really? <laughs> how did you how did you like realize that yourself? Because I, I think there's a bit of a personal story in your in your own kind of life, right? So how were you always someone who went against the grain and didn't fear what other people thought, or is it something that you know you learned in your career? It's something I've I've, I've learned. I've, so I say I've got better at it, but uh, I don't really. You can get better at being a knobhead, but I've I've definitely. Um, you know, I, I think I think when you when you're younger, everybody gives a shit. You all give it. Everyone gives a shit what people think, um, and everyone gives a shit about you know how they come across, and that then translates into into the business world as well. Because everyone cares about you know what Mister Director thinks because they want to be able to progress and make a good career out of it, and they don't want to upset you know uh, lady manager because you know it'll it'll hamper their their own progress and stuff. So it's only natural, but it's something I've always had a I think. My dad's very um, anti-establishment, a bit anti-authority. So uh, I think I think that having him in my life since I was well, since I was a sperm and he's and he's bald, um, has probably rubbed off on me a lot. But I think you know it is it, 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 the thing is people think I don't give a shit about what anybody thinks. And I do actually. I do. I give a, I give a hell of a shit about what what the people around me think. What what those what the people the people that I'm close to what they think. Um, what my, my team think and also what my, my customers think as well so I, I do care what some people think I just you know the, but the people I'm not trying to sell to the people who are never going to uh, spend money with me I, I literally could not give a shit what your opinion is right but yeah it's a progression it's not a it, it's, it's learning that you know some people matter and other people don't and so yeah your dad big influence on you uh, on my side it's the same actually it's quite funny my my dad is also very anti-establishment and uh, yeah. never afraid to to share his point of view and i've learned that from him as well so i guess that has a big influence going back to content marketing a bit and mistakes companies make right yeah what would you say like beside not being yourself not being really honest with yourself mm-hmm. what do you think is like the biggest mistake companies make with their content like what do you see as the as the biggest symptom of that Probably, you know, a lot of it is just being too safe. That's one of the things. Like, you know, just just producing content that everyone else produces is never going to get good results. And that's just fucking common sense. So I don't know why people bother doing it. You know, if you're just going to keep putting out, you know, 10 ways to get better with your accountancy, you know, people, no one's going to read that because it's shit. 
Uh, and also it's been done a million and one times before. So being too safe and not 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 thinking laterally, you know, thinking a little bit outside the box and trying to trying to think of things that haven't been done before. Because that's the goal, that's where the goal is. And also just producing content for the sake of producing content. Like I'm sick and tired of of these people like Gary V that have fucking massive content teams behind them trying to get your average Joe to produce, you know, I can't remember what he said recently. It's like fucking something ridiculous before. Thousand content pieces a day or something stupid, but it's, it's maybe not that much. But um, but you know, it's it's it, it it's just ridiculous. Like your average Joe cannot produce that much content, and I'd say even most people aren't capable of producing two pieces of good content a week. Like so, just fucking produce one that has impact rather than ten that is just fucking pointless. The amount of pointless shit I see on LinkedIn, just people just overpost, and companies just overpost just because they think that that is how content marketing works, whereas Content marketing doesn't work like that. Content marketing works, you know, on impact. It, it, it works on, on you know, you might as well have one piece of content that is standout compared to 100 pieces of content that are a pile of shite. So that's, that's, that's where people are falling down. How do you notice when uh, a piece of content is, like the, the person behind it has played too safe? Like, how do you notice when it's too, you know, too safe, too boring? No, it's too safe because nobody fucking reads it. <laughs> so you can tell, tell it's too safe and it's fucking got... It's got one like off the mum. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it, it, like, and also I, I can't get my head around companies that like do that and they, they'll produce one piece of content, they'll get a like off the mum, but then they'll keep doing the same thing. Like the, the first piece of content that you produced that only got one like off your mum, that should tell you a lot about how shit that content is. So stop doing it. <laughs> Go do something else. Like learn from it for fuck's sake. There might be like the counter argument is, you know, you need to kind of to ship stuff to see how people react to it. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe the first piece is, is bad, but as you said, you need to learn from it and, yeah. and ship again. But I tell you what, though, there's something I've noticed by, you know, producing content is you cannot realistically, unless you're a genius or unless you're working with people who are very, very good at what they do. It's very difficult to get and produce one piece of content or two pieces of content and already have a massive impact with them. You need kind of to learn yeah. on the go, right? So how do 100%. you kind of balance those two points? Hundred percent. Well, well, but the thing is though, like learning doesn't mean that you have to produce a hundred pieces of content in a week. You know, you're not going to learn anything right. like by that because you're not taking the time. Because the thing is, the important thing isn't producing the content. The important thing, more often than not, is the ideas and the and the, and the brainstorming behind it. Like you know, yes, you should be producing content as quickly as possible and learning from it. But then it's not just about producing it. You've then got to learn it. Learn from it. So there's a whole process in there. There's, there's, you've got the ideas stage, all the brainstorming that comes before it, and that's got to be good. And then you've got to pick the best ideas from that, and then you push that out to your audience. And then you see how that does, and, the, and you analyze what does well. And whatever does well, you do more of that. Whatever doesn't got, uh, do well, you've just put in the fucking bin. Like It's not rocket science. It's the same way you develop like a tech product or something. And, and, and yet people are just completely getting it wrong. But this is what's kind of underestimated a lot in, 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 in marketing at the minute is there are – there are tons and tons and tons of people that can execute, you know, technically good content. So you've got loads of technically good copywriters, loads of technically good videographers, loads of technically good uh, illustrators out there, right? Who you can say to, you know, here's an idea I've got, make that look good. And they'll make it look technically good. They'll make it sound technically good. The video will be technically good, right? But it'll still be shit because the idea in the first place was shit. And what a lot of marketing agencies and internal marketing teams are missing is people with good ideas. Like we've kind of lost that spirit of kind of, the old ad agency world with you know with all its flaws with all the fucking misogyny and the drinking and the bullshit that came with it the one thing that, that the ad agency world had that, that that we are lacking nowadays is good ideas people who can conceptualize stuff and can understand audiences to the very core and come out with stuff that that, that really relates to them and resonates with them 
and that's that's where the falling down is 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 the ideas stage. So you know, yeah, you should be learning from stuff, but if your ideas aren't strong enough, and you keep churning stuff out and churning stuff out, and you've been doing it for six months and you're never having an impact and you're not learning anything from it, there's something fucking wrong there. Yeah. And it's probably at the idea stage, either that or it's, the, it's at the uh, analysis stage and you don't actually understand your audience and you don't understand what you're looking at. And, and the from problem. your experience, the analysis, uh, the problem is, is mostly the creativity side, not the analysis part, right? Well, I'd say, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say both. You know, you, you can, the thing is as well, like if you produce 50 pieces of content and two of them, two of them fly, that's really obvious what's working there. But sometimes like it can be difficult to spot what's actually working and what's not. So people do still fall down at the analysis stage, but I still think that the ideas and the creativity is what is severely lacking in marketing nowadays. And there's yeah. loads of reasons for that. No, but I, I like your point about the technicality of it. Like it, it is, I mean, quote unquote, easy enough to, to create videos and to, to produce them well and to have very well produced webinars and whatnot. But the, 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 the value behind it, the actual, the actual content itself, like does it actually help you? beyond just promoting your product, does it actually help people? Is it, is it original enough that people say, oh shit, this is different. I'm going to actually watch this one. So I get that. Uh, beside, beside those mistakes, um, any other that you, that you think you know, that are, that are you know, very common nowadays, m mistakes companies make with their content? It's difficult, mate. I'll tell you what, what uh, another big mistake is, is who's leading it. Um, and the one thing that I've noticed is with a lot of um, you know, the internal marketing teams we speak to and things, that they're, they're being led by micromanagers a lot of the time. And we're talking like creative directors that have been in position for 25, 30 years, right? And the, the more senior you get and the more, the longer you've been in that environment and the more your lifestyle changes from being on, you know, boots on the ground to fucking Merc driving, Viagra smashing, apprentice groping lifestyles, you're, the more out of touch you're going to be with, with what works, right? And, and what, what audiences want to see. So, when you've got someone who's there and who, who is now out of touch with what works and out of touch with trends and things like that, trying to now dictate creativity and trying to micromanage a creative team into, into, into you know, basically micromanage them into the ground, that's where things are going to go wrong. And I see it time and time and time again. You know, that is not, that is not the job of a, of, a, of a creative director of a huge organization. They shouldn't be micromanaging the, the people that actually are the, are the true creatives. And usually that happens, please correct me if I'm wrong, but usually it happens in like those brainstorming meetings, you know, where everyone mm -hmm. comes in, okay, let's hear your ideas and everything. Like, you know, one person shares one idea or two ideas and the micro manager would actually just, you know, break it to the, ah, that's not going to work. And so you end <laughs> yeah. up with a brainstorming yeah. session with no fucking ideas apart from the manager's idea. Yeah. And, yeah. and it just doesn't work. Well, you need to let people be creative on their own, you know, have their own ideas test it out yeah. uh, and see what happens, right? Yeah, you just got to leave them to it half the time. And also, like, that's how you get a really strong team is, like, letting them learn by their own mistakes as well. Like, we, we, we've kind of got to the stage now where, I mean, we've, we've got, like, a, a, a very talented copywriter in with us now who, who joined, like, two months ago. And already, like, she's just been left to do her own things, like, and, and, and there's no micromanagers in there. And, I think, and it was scary for her at first, but... She's like a couple of weeks in and she's absolutely flying. Her ideas are flying. She understands the audiences better because it's not me telling her what the audience looks like. She, she, she's got her own understanding of it. And, and, and that's how it should happen. Like micromanagement of, of, of creatives. You know, you can, you can manage creatives to a certain extent, but the more you micromanage them, the more you stifle that creativity.
Right. So we've we've talked enough about mistakes companies make. Now let's talk about how to do it the right way, right? Or at least your way, uh, what yeah. you've learned. The first thing before that, before we talk about a step by step on how to like break it, break down this process. The first thing I want, I, I need to kind of ask because I know people listening have that in the back of their head is, how do you actually convince me? Like as a listener, I'm listening to this episode right now. How do you convince me to actually start? offending some people and therefore like actually being loved by some, being hated by others. How do you convince me to take some risk and to move away from this me too marketing, me too content? It's difficult, mate, really difficult. And it is something that we struggle with all the time. I mean, people think sometimes think that we're just going to walk in and go, you know, right, Marks and Spencers, you know, just all you need to put on your fingers, you know, fuck council estates, buy your food at Marks and Spencers. We're not going to go in and do that. You know, it's just, it's just kind of, it's just, it's just realizing that a lot of the time, the only way you can prove to people that something's going to work is by getting them results. And it's difficult. So what, a lot of the time what we do now, and one of the things that we, we, the ways that we stand out is I've noticed that creative agencies, a lot of the time go into pitches, right? With companies and with half-baked ideas, you know, even mm-hmm. some of the biggest agencies, mate, are walking in to pitches with, with market directors going, you know, it, we got 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 a bit of an idea here that we came up with on the train. It's on a, it's on a word document. Or it's on the, on the back of a fucking crisp packet. I don't know if you can read that. What, what, what do you reckon? Uh, and that's pretty much the pitching process. And we, what we've kind of realised now is that if we're going to actually persuade people to take a risk, what we need to do is we need to actually get their get how can I say get the juices flowing. That's a fucking horrible saying. But we're going to do something with the juices. But basically, we, we go in and we actually pitch it like an ad agency. We we, we make sure that we actually conceptualize an idea. We, we storyboard it all out. We come up with actual full campaign ideas. And then we present it on, you know, on, on, on pitch boards and, and, and do it properly. And if mm-hmm. those people then <laughs> steal our ideas and, and fuck off, then so be it. We, we, more fool us. But I think, you know, taking that sort of risk and showing them and being open with them that, listen, this is the sort of campaign we're talking about. This is the impact it can have. And this is why we really believe it represents your brand. I think that's, that's the way, uh, the way to do it. And I think it, it's, it's working. It's working. That old school method, that, that effort, putting in that effort is working. So you need to convince, for people to take risks, you need to convince, you need to take risks yourself, right? You need to yeah. first take risks in the way you, you, you pitch your ideas. And, and here you're talking about an example of where you would work for, for, for with a client, right? But mm-hmm. I suspect that would, work the same way internally, right? Don't come in with a half-baked idea. Just work at it, take some risks, present it very well, package yeah. it very well. Yeah. And maybe don't come in with three ideas and make them pick one. You pick just one idea yourself and you say, this is yeah. it. Like, how do yeah. you do it? Well, well, you know what? Yeah, back it, back back, back your idea. I mean, I was having a, a big, I'm probably probably wrong in a lot of, in, in a lot of this as well. Like, I, I always like to put forward an alternative, but maybe that's not the right way to, to go, actually. And even yesterday, me and uh, she sat next to me and I was just like, Probably glaring, it's like a little little Scottish chihuahua. Um, and uh, she's like, it's like one of our creative leads. And she's like, she, we were having a big back and forth on email yesterday about, you know, we presented one idea that we all thought was great, and then one idea that, you know, we were all a little bit like meh. But, it, you know, I wanted to put it forward as a, as a comparison, but she, <laughs> all the way through, she's like, I really don't want to storyboard this, it's shit. Uh, so, I had to, you know, we spent all day going back and forth and arguing. And actually, probably she's right it, it, in a lot of ways. We should we should back our own horse. You know, we should be backing our own our own, our own idea. And if you, if you believe in something enough, then uh, hopefully the client or your marketing manager or the marketing director you're reporting to or whatever will believe in it too. Okay. And you know what? As, when Once you describe the 
the scene of like pitching an idea to a client, the first thing I'm, I I thought about is Mad Men. You know the way they. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly what yeah. I picture, and I can well, see you with a suit on. You know, this is it. Yeah. This is you. No, it's not even. Well, the thing is, mate, it's not even me. So we have a, a commercial director called Dean, and we call him we call him Sponge Dean Draper Pants. Um, <laughs> because he, uh, he, he, he's, you know, he looks like, well, he's got a massive square head, so he looks like SpongeBob. Uh, but he also <laughs> thinks he's, he's, he's Don Draper as well. So he walks into, he walks into pitches and he's like, you know, all right, guys, I want you to close your eyes. Would you really visualize this and take this story in? You know, it's that sort of rubbish. It's not rubbish, Dean. You're, you're brilliant, mate. But, but yeah, I mean, you, you've got to tell the story. You've got to get people bought in. You've got to, you know, you've got to wet the, the whistle a little bit so now you've pitched like i think this is the first way to convince people to take a risk right so they mm. they, they have the, your campaign idea in front of them and they say you know what let's go for it i'm convinced let's try it right now what is your what is the process to create good content and i know this sounds very cliche you can hear that everywhere oh you need to create value you need to add value to people's life that's, you know, we, we both know that sounds like bullshit. So how do you do it? What is your process to actually create content that, is, that stands out, that makes people, you know, actually buy stuff or whatever else? How would you, if you had to train someone coming in, right, to your, to your company, a new intern or whatever, and you have to describe everything from start to finish, like the steps, what would be step one? So an intern? Yeah, like anyone who doesn't know how you do things, you need to explain. Um... This is how we do stuff here. Good question. Good question. I mean, this is assuming, mate, that we have a we have a, a training process. People just generally come in and we basically throw them straight into the fire and see what happens. But I mean, the way that we do things is we're very, very quick. We're very, very quick, and and we are a what I like to describe as a strategy second organization. Okay, a strategy second organization. So I don't believe in sitting there for weeks and months trying to define a content strategy um, based on fucking nothing. Uh, I also don't believe in doing that based on market research because the problem with the way that most companies conduct market research is they go into a room of people and they ask them questions, right? And more often than not, they're leading questions. And even if they're not leading questions, people still feel obliged to give you an answer because you've asked them a question, right? And at the part of the focus groups, they feel like they have to. And they end up just giving you false answers. It might not even, they might not even feel anything about your products. And then people go away and they take all that data and they make strategies based on it and they spend months and months and weeks on these strategies. And then at the end, they then execute all the content or whatever else is involved in that strategy. And then when it dives, they then go, ah, shit, that was really rubbish. And then they go all the way back to the start and do the whole thing all over again, which is just rubbish. Whereas actually, you would never develop any sort of product like that, right? You wouldn't develop that. You, You would develop a feature of a product. You would test it with the market and based on how the market then uses that product or reacts to it, you would then um, create iterations based on that, right? And it's the same mm-hmm. with content. So what people should be doing, well, the first thing, if you're starting a new brand and you're trying to find messaging that resonates and something that's different is you should be pushing out content, you know, and going through this process as quickly as possible to find some messages that resonate that haven't been used before. And as soon as you do that, then once you've got that message, you can start to build a living, breathing strategy around it, you know? Because uh, the, the, the digital world, the marketing world, moves too quick to be sat there fucking around with a six-month marketing strategy when you don't know anything anyway. So, the, yeah, so the first point is the feedback is when you, when you ask it the wrong way, you get wrong data, and then you can mm-hmm. base your entire strategy on wrong data, and then you're pretty much fucked. Yeah, uh, yeah, the yeah. second point is to instead to try to see how people actually react 
instead yeah. of overthinking it, just you push stuff out, right? Yeah. Now, I, we are missing a few steps in between, right? Because let's say I'm your new client. Yeah. I want to increase sales of whatever product mm -hmm. with content. Do you get into a room with your team and just like, quote unquote, brainstorm about, okay, what type of message can we create? Like, or, or, or are you, do you assign that to one person who's tasked to do that? Like, what is the process there? I don't know. Walk me through that again, mate. So I know what I, I've, I think I've missed the question. If you have to, like, if you really have to describe the very first step after you get a new client in, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, do you, do you have someone goes in a room in their own thinking about ideas and messages to, to test? Or do you get all together, the entire team trying to brainstorm? Like, how do you do it? We, we, so we get everyone together. We have a little, a little thing in our office called, uh, well, it was called Brainstorm Corner. Now it's called Dino's Lazy Area. So he just, he just sits there on his laptop and doesn't speak to anybody. But we, we, we all go in there and we all, we all just brainstorm ideas and, and, you know, and it, sometimes it, 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 you know, takes a bit of time, but generally like, you know, someone will say something or someone will say something else and it's, it works so much better as a team. And if you've got, a, if you've got a creative team that gels really well together and the culture's right, then it, that's always the best way to do it. You don't want to, you don't want a fucking creative director sat there on his own coming with every, with every, uh, every idea because, because campaigns will start sounding the same tone of voice will start sounding the same, you know, it, you know, yeah. you, can, you can only be so creative, and, it, and you're miles more creative as a group. Obviously, I mean, within reason. You know, you don't want to be sat there trying to brainstorm with a hundred people; it would be a fucking disaster. What uh, what information do you need from a client to actually be able to brainstorm? What do you like to ask them? Um, we we go and get to know them. We do we do sessions with the client first, prior to us brainstorming on ideas, getting to know the 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 client and what you know. Because uh, the thing is, as well, what 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 um, I think marketers need to be acutely aware of is. You don't need to be an expert in a, uh, a particular industry to be able to market for it, right? We, we market for a lot of cybersecurity organizations. I, I can fucking barely turn my laptop uh, on. So, you know, so I would not, I've, I'm sure I've been hacked. I always, I always click on those, you know, want to enlarge your penis emails. Always, <laughs> always click on them, mate. Never works, you know, it's still tiny. But the, the, the where was I? Uh, the point is, the point is, uh, we you know we go in and we get to know them properly, and because it, it, we need to be acutely aware that they are the experts in the day, and, and and their expertise, their ideas, they are that's the gold, that that's the stuff that we can mold into something to then make it mass market, to make it relatable to to, to an audience. We, we're the ones that put the spin on it that makes it interesting, that draws people in, that makes it clickable, that you know whatever else uh, we, we we need it to do. But they are the people you need to. It, it, you can't you can't just expect to take on someone in a new industry and, and 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 you know hit the ground running you need you need their expertise first so we do do that we do go and get to know the clients first then we uh, do the brainstorming sessions generally then we'll probably pitch our ideas uh, and then hopefully someone will, will give us a little bit of money and we can all eat so what information do you like to ask from the client like what do you want to know because you're giving a good example about cyber security mm -hmm. right so specific industry that's quite technical and all of that mm -hmm. What do you like to know? Like, do you ask about your personas and all this kind of bullshit, or do you ask for other information? Yeah, I mean, we we ask, we we get to know them as a person. That's one of the most important things, especially if you're building a personal brand. So we do a lot of personal branding for like you know CEOs and consultants and things, and and that's one of the things that we offer, and and, and that's all about getting to know the person, um, because people aren't just interested in the fact that they are knowledgeable about cybersecurity, for instance. They're interested in the, in the person themselves. We uh, will obviously get to know the products or the service because a lot of the time as well, I've noticed this, that to have outside eyes on a product or a service is really valuable. Most people, uh, or a lot of organizations, 
we find actually miss unique selling points. Like really, you know, almost don't understand the product because they're so close to it. So getting to know the products is really important. Getting to know the culture of the business is important as well. Like people think that cult, like business culture, you can just use that to sell, you know, to, to build employer branding campaigns and attract candidates. But actually that's not the case. You know, people buy into cultures. Like people are buying into Apple's culture. It's basically a fucking cult now, right? Mm-hmm. That's, I, I don't even know whether this Apple Mac that I'm on now is any good. I ain't got a clue. I just like, you know, I like the whole, the whole, the cut of Apple's jib. Uh, and that's why I bought it. It might be shit, but it's, it's, it's about using things like that and finding, finding things, finding unique things about the organization, about the product, the service, the culture that we can then, you know, turn into, into uh, campaigns, ideas, content, whatever it might be. Uh, now, now it's getting interesting, right? So we've been 26 minutes in this podcast and now finally we're getting, mm-hmm. getting to the meat of it, right? The value, the yes. valuable stuff. Yeah. This is always my case, mate. I, I waffle and waffle and then eventually you'll <laughs> go, all right. Ah, oh, finally, he's actually said something of merit. <laughs> I'm I'm used to it. I'm used to it, man. You're doing great. Don't worry about it. So, <laughs> Cheers, how, finding valuable stuff, right? Unique, mm. unique selling point from the culture, the product, whatever else. How do you recognize that? You know, how do you get? Oh shit! This is interesting. This is something unique. Like, what is the? I know that might not be a process per se, but mm-hmm. what is the attributes that make you think, shit? This is this is something that we could leverage. See, that it's a really difficult question, that because. There's a bit of a, because this is the other thing that we've got to do as well, a lot of, is when we go and speak to the client is getting to know their audience. Because that's the one thing that we find as well is that often clients don't actually understand who they're selling to properly, or they don't spot the things that will relate and resonate with with, with that client base. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I like to do is I like to spot things that are appealing on mass. So they're, they're very, I like simple things. So the more complex something is generally, the harder it's going to be to market. Mm-hmm. And the harder it is for it to, you know, get any interest um, and make decent content. So it's it, it's difficult to say, mate, because every industry is diff- uh, different. I'm not really sure how I spot it, you know, because in some sometimes we spend half an hour with clients and come up with an absolute gold, and sometimes we're fucking sat there all day, you know, banging our heads against against the table. So uh, it's it. It's a difficult question to answer that one, mate, to be honest. Let's take an example, right? You don't have to mention uh, the name of, of the, your client or, or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, but maybe by giving an example of a past client and how you've, how you've done it, that might be helpful, right? So, I mean, cybersecurity is an example you've given. If you're mm-hmm. able to give an example out of it, uh, let me know. If not, let's pick something else. Yeah, okay. So an example of what? How we found gold? Yeah, how you found this unique thing that you say, shit, this is simple, that might appeal to like the masses, as you said. That's, yeah, that yeah, might yeah. be very valuable. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we have a campaign coming out soon. Um, it's not cybersecurity, but a big, a big telecoms firm. And we found a guy in there who is an Elvis impersonator, right? So he would go around to weddings uh, doing Elvis tribute acts. And we thought, you know what? Why don't we create on uh, social media? Why don't we create an, ac- an account? And why don't we build up this guy and, uh, and, and get him known as telecoms Elvis? So what, we, what we've then done I know it's bear with me, mate. It sounds fucking weird. But and then what we then done is 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 taken all Elvis's tracks and rewritten them to be about telecoms and about the benefits of, uh, of different systems and stuff. And and created <laughs> this, this this huge campaign around it. It makes absolutely no sense. But had we not gone in there and got to know these people, we would never have found Tony, uh, the telecoms Elvis, and we wouldn't so- have this fantastic campaign idea. So t- tell me, how did you find out about him? Like, so you met, you went to the, the client's office, mm-hmm. and you asked to meet 
people in charge and was Tony in the room or was he like singing in a, in another meeting room to rehearse for his next show? What was the, the uh, no, Tony was one of the people we interviewed. So we were, they okay. were saying, we were saying, where do you need help? And they were like, well, you know, we want to do a lot of paid campaigns. We want to raise the profile of our sales team. So then we brought the sales team in. Tony was in the sales team, really interesting chat. Loads of shit he's done before. Guy's been in the army. Owns a few horses, and it, and then it just came out the end. Elvis, uh, and then we all came back into the office, and everyone started brainstorming ideas. And um, I think uh, Jess and Cabri came up with a, with an idea of you know using this guy and writing writing telecoms related Elvis songs. Uh, and so they they got to work, and we started to then uh, figure out how we were going to raise this guy's profile, and and on the back of that, raise the brand of of, of the telecoms company. And it was just, it, like I say, a lot of the time, this is why it's hard to say how to spot it, because a lot of the time it's there's a bit of luck involved, really. But the more you speak to people and the longer you spend in that company and the more you understand the culture, the more gold you're going to get out of it. Yeah, no, no, but that, that makes sense. And I know it's, diffi- it's a difficult question, right? Mm. And I know it's difficult to extract insights uh, out of it. But this example is phenomenal for, for, for the reason that, you know, it's simple. As you said, everyone knows Elvis. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, Therefore, it's going to appeal to the masses. They they all going to know Elvis. They all like everyone knows some of the songs. And so you you what I like about it is that you go all in in a sense, right? Yeah. So it's not like you're going to mention, oh, we also have a Elvis impersonator in our in our team. So therefore, you need to trust us. It's mm-hmm. he is the center of the campaign. He is the campaign, yeah. right? So you're yeah. taking the risk to go as far as you can go with it, really. Exactly, mate. Exactly, and that's the that's the biggest thing. You've got, you've got to go all in. You've got to go all in. And you know what, as well, like there's, there is nothing like this. Is the thing that I love is when people use their own employees in their advertising. I think it just it just adds that people go on about fucking you know things being real and you know authentic or whatever you want to call it. But the, the best way to do that is to use the people and and and, and people. The bigger the organisation, the more people you can find that have really really interesting stories and and things that you can leverage to 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 you know help grow the brand. So like I say, we, 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 we're, we're lucky to have telecoms Elvis. He's going to be a, he's going to be a star, mate. So without giving me too many details about the, the, the client, right? I don't want mm-hmm. you to, to, to be in trouble. But how did you, how was it to convince those folks to actually go for it? Like when you presented the idea, like what was the reaction like? Good question. You know what? They've not actually seen, well, the idea, I think they just, <laughs> the, the, the client are, are quite open to stuff because they, they need to grow the brand. They haven't had much marketing success in the past. It's all, all been reliant on sales and a, and, a, and, a, okay. and a pretty good sales team. So they're just open to most things, to be honest. But they haven't actually seen the adverts yet. Um, okay. So it's going to be interesting because they've got a big uh, big um, company due on Friday where they're doing a screening of the uh, the new adverts, even though none of them, Ooh. and they haven't seen any yet. So uh, it'd, be, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting. But but it, it wasn't. It's not a great example, actually. It wasn't actually that hard to convince them to do that. A lot of the time, we we, we do things that are um, that are a bit. Uh, dodgy but the, what you'll find is if you start off with I'll tell you what it's like this whether it's external right or internal persuading people to do things is all about baby steps so uh-huh. you can't you can't work in a tax firm as a, and, and then just go in and go listen guys I think we should go and uh, post dildos through people's doors because everyone will go are you what are you smoking and it just won't work right but baby steps it's all about baby steps so it's going in and, and pushing the boundaries slightly every single time because there are clients we've worked with where you know we 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 worked with one client and we got them to deliver pies once with, with like 50 quid in them and now like six months later we've got them 
going up on cherry pickers to uh, offices like 20 foot in the air um, with massive signs saying, you know, download our app. And, and, and they're doing stuff that's miles out of the comfort zone. So it's, 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 just, it's just baby steps. You've just got to kind of, you know, get them to push their own boundaries a little bit each time and you'll be surprised where you are in six months. So give me another example because this one was really good, a good example of, of your method. Uh, do you have another example in, in top, top of your mind? Yeah, I mean that, that's 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 the other one. That that other that other brand with the we do something called the projects, and we've got them to do everything, man. I mean, we we filled like, you know, mis, misguided the fashion brand. We filled their offices with uh, with rescue dogs. That was one of the things we tried. Uh, we got them to put three thousand parking tickets on cars across Manchester, which weren't actually really parking tickets; they were adverts to download their app. You know, we got them to do all sorts of guerrilla marketing campaigns, which uh, you know, which 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 are going to be awesome. We've got a. We've got one coming up with a with a big percussion band. That's going to be funny. But it, again, these <laughs> what I always say to clients as well is that if you're not nervous before you uh, release a campaign, if you're not slightly yes. nervous, then you probably haven't gone far enough. Yep, I say that all the time. Like if you don't have this butterfly in your stomach before you publish mm-hmm. something, it's just not risky enough. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mate. Exactly. So uh, I, I, I'd like to deconstruct another one, another of your campaign, and just to see how you, you came to this result, right? So I, I know you've mentioned a few, like the parking tickets idea or whatever. What I'm interested the most in is like, how did you get to this? And I know, again, it's a difficult question, but let's try to work it through together, right? So whether it's parking tickets or something else, if you, let's pick another idea and, and let's try to remember how you went from meeting the client, talking to customers or whatever, to have this idea, like the in-between between those two steps the in between between what two steps sorry mate the, <laughs> sorry. You, you, you cut, you cut so, out a little, sorry you cut out a little bit there. Bet- between meeting the client for the first time right and mm-hmm. shipping the campaign you know like this this the process of brainstorming finding an idea finding mm-hmm. the simple mm-hmm. the simple idea like talk me through another another moment another story of where that happened which i think of one of those things so we just done we we just done a quite a big pitch for a Ooh, how do I get? How do I say this without getting in trouble? Um, a let's call let's call them an energy company, right? A mm-hmm. uh, big energy company, and we we were approached with the task of, you know, we need to uh, we're, we're going to start a new degree apprenticeship program, and we need to at, um, attract people from a diverse background, from you know deprived areas, because we want to show that we are not. Uh, just an elitist, uh, you know, middle class organization, and we so we got we got that brief, and then we had to brainstorm a way of coming up with that because what we didn't want to do we didn't want to we didn't want it to come across cheesy we didn't want it like the the Nike London adverts where it's like yeah London we're gritty and hard and stuff because you're not you're, you're southerners you're not hard and we didn't want it to come across as you know, really wet and soppy and you know feel sorry for for these guys because they're all poor and they need a job. So we had to figure out a way of getting, you know, getting something an impactful campaign, basically. And, and the 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 process was pretty simple. Uh, and it, it is simply just we'll all brainstorm on the brief. We'll go out and do some uh, surveys with the people in those areas to find out what it is they're looking for. Why why would someone want to do a degree apprenticeship? You know, why is it important to them? You know, what are their aspirations? What are they proud of? And the, and the one thing that we found when we did those those surveys, spoke to those people, was that the the when you know when you're you're from a deprived area and when you're from 
somewhere that's that's, that's maybe not as affluent as, as other areas, that you're still proud of where you came from. You might not want to stay there, yeah, for the rest of your mm-hmm. life, but no matter where, whether you break away from that and you become something, you're always proud of where you came from. And especially people from those sorts of areas are very, very proud, very, very proud of who they are um, and their heritage and stuff. So that was that was the focus of the campaign. And we started to build a campaign around that. And we we, we found that out by, by, like I say, by doing those surveys, by getting to know those people and getting to know that audience. And we, we did a, a, a big pitch around the values of those people. We wrote um, a really impactful poem about living in uh, the Northeast. And about mm-hmm. actually like, you know, it, the poem is called What If? Um, and it was a really impactful poem. That poem will be delivered over the top of an advert in those neighborhoods, filmed with the individuals that actually live there. And, and, and we're going to build a, a campaign directly around the audience and those people. And that was, that was the, the, the process based on the brief. And that, that was then all, uh, you know, storyboarded up, all looked very smart. And that has gone over the, uh, to the client ready for the, ready for the pitch. And we'll see how it does. You see, I told you you had you had another uh, another one in you. This is this is another very good example. Even though at the very start you mentioned like you know research, customer research, you know usually very risky because you you might ask shitty question that might lead to shitty answer. Yet you use this method the right way. And when we talk about survey, like how, how did you go about it? Did you actually go and meet those people and ask them a bunch of questions over yeah. like with a camera yeah. on or or, yeah. or a microphone? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. That's what you got to do. You can't just you can't just sit there and. And do a like I say, and on of surveys and all that rubbish just don't work. Um, you got to go and get to know people. Um, and like I say, the one thing, and like, and it's the same. It, I, and even kind of, even when we'd asked that, and even when we knew that was the thing, then I was, you know, I, I, I was spending a bit of time in the gym. I spend the, spending time with my mates as well, and and they're all the same. They all, you know, and there was a few little comments like it was like weird that we there was a few little comments that we were people were talking about how proud they are, where they come from, how they're always, even though. You know, this is shit about it. That's just shit about it. I'm, you know, I'm still proud of, of, of where I come from, and and um, and we knew we were on something there. I think, um, mm-hmm. and it's a really powerful campaign. And actually, you know what? Like, it's the sort of campaign that is so good that we could, uh, if that, if they don't take on this pitch, if it's not for them, that this is something we could probably repackage for someone else. You know, not the right. exact same, but the actual, the, the whole thing around it, going, going actually get to know the people from a different area with a different company, and and, and probably still if. You know, get the same results if if if, if another company's looking for for you know diverse hires from a, from the private backgrounds. And that's another signal, isn't it? When you see patterns from people who don't know each other necessarily, mm. but they say the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. like they share, like as you said, the pride is the main thing that just kept coming up. Yeah. To me, like every time I do it, every time I do research like this, and during interviews or whatever, and you hear different people. Who don't know each other say the exact same thing multiple times. You're like, shit. This is like there must be, there is something there, right? And let's dig into this. Is it something that you that you see yourself as well? Like, is that uh, did that happen before in previous campaigns where you saw like a pattern? Yeah, I just I, yeah, yeah. To go for it. Yeah, I think there are there are patterns there are patterns and there are and it was just a thing though. Like like a lot of things that have worked in the past will work again. Like when I talk about new ideas. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean that a good new idea can't be a rehashed old idea. You know, there, there, are, there are things that will, will resonate with different audiences and that will work across different campaigns. That's just just life, you know. But And this is the other thing as well that I always say to the team, that if we get, I, I honestly believe that some of our creative is that strong, that if we get uh, rejected on campaigns or if our pitches don't go to plan, um, there is absolutely no reason why we cannot rehash that idea. If it's a strong enough idea, we can't rehash that idea and pitch it to someone else. So, so you know, 
this is the, this is the thing. Ideas are so so valuable at the minute. So valuable at the minute. There's so many people coming up with shit ideas that you know there's, there's absolutely no reason that if 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 one idea gets re- rejected, you couldn't use it elsewhere. And it's the same with it's the same with patterns. Like you know, if something works with one client. There might be a way of rehashing it in some way. You know, say if you did a social campaign for one client, and I don't know what, I'm trying to give you an example, but there's no reason you couldn't then use something similar for another client in an entirely different industry that wouldn't at all impact on your your other client. In fact, you probably wouldn't even see it. You know what? You shared two very very good examples, uh, and I'm sure you have one last one. You know, uh, ready to go. Um, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, no, because this is a very good way for me to extract. You yeah, know, your learnings and and yeah, course, this mate. is working really well. So, do you have a third one for me? A third example. What what in what context would you like me to give the example? So anything anything that you know, again that came from a single focus, a single thing that you noticed either from a pattern from like interviewing people or you know meeting someone in the organization. Like you just pick this one thing and then you created an entire campaign around it. I, I mean, I suppose we, we we you know we went over to uh, to um, a challenger bank in 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 Europe and we, we they wanted help with their uh, internal communications. They they were really struggling to they were really struggling to communicate because they'd grown so quickly. They'd grown from about I can't remember it was something like three hundred, four hundred people to over a thousand. I think it's like five thousand five hundred now. Which means that, you know, if you grow that quickly in, in two years, you're gonna have teething problems. You're gonna you you're gonna completely destroy whatever culture it was you had in the first place. And and especially when those people are from all over the world, it's it's fucking difficult to then figure out how to get all those people to communicate effectively. And the one thing that they'd lost was that they'd lost their edge. This was a, a, a bank that had done some really edgy, impactful stuff back in the day when they first started, say back in the day, only a few years ago. Um, and they kind of lost that and become more corporate and more towards normal banks. But then what they'd also done there is internally, they then started to use a lot of the banking jargon and acronyms and bollocks that people didn't understand. And they never used to communicate like that. And the one thing that we spotted was actually you had something. When you were communicating with each other as a small group, as a small team, and you were using fucking normal words and you were, you know, more chatty and casual and your tone of voice like that, the communication was so much smoother. Why don't we try and do that across the board? And why don't we write a, you know, why don't, why don't we make sure that the, we, the tone of voice uh, guidelines, the, the internal communication guidelines are all around communicating in a way that is human and simple and easy to understand because if you do that internally then that's going to resonate with your customers externally as well uh, and 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 that was kind of and the thing is that that was a weird activity because it took us a while to spot the fact that they had already been doing something early on that would actually was actually probably better than this fucking beast that they created you know now but that's pretty much all I can go into there mate because if I do any more I will get <laughs> I will get in trouble uh, because I, I can notice uh, the time, the moment where you notice shit, I'm gonna get in trouble. If yeah, I was, if I say, yeah, that's about drop, right, drop, drop the name of the yeah, drop the name yeah. of the bank. Okay, I'm not gonna make you uh, say more than that, but I think the mm-hmm. learnings here are very similar to the first two in a sense that you notice one thing, one single thing from this time, the client itself, and you just you know extracted that and then creating an entire campaign out of it which i think to be honest like if i if i have to learn from what you shared so far this is it it's like you either from the interviews either from the customer side from the company side their culture whatever you just extract something that just seems like okay this stands out and you don't hold back and you just create something that you go all in with it um, from yeah. start to finish yeah and you mentioned something else which is you know step by step so 
even though you might believe in this idea 100%, you may, even though you might feel, okay, this is it, you still might need to go kind of slow with the client. Maybe it's an mm. email campaign to start with, then a few more ads, then you do guerrilla marketing, then, mm -hmm. you know, is that how you approach it? You, you start very small, even if you believe. 100%. Yeah. Step by step, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, if you present a full campaign and they're really bought in, they're going to pay you millions of pounds and do, you're going to take over their entire market and then say, yeah, go, go and do it. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, don't say, oh, I will just start with an email campaign because you make no money. Um, but yeah, definitely. If, if, if a client is nervous about something, just, just, Start showing them results. The sooner you show someone results, the sooner they're going to get become bought in. That's the easiest way to do it. People can't argue it. They, they, people will never argue in numbers. They'll never argue in numbers. If the numbers are good, they don't care. And what's interesting about you, and this is how I found you out, is, is through LinkedIn and the posts you share that are very, just like, just like you, very edgy, very, you know, taking risk, mm -hmm. going all in with your ideas. I suspect that the people who reach out to you, even if they are big corporations, know that already right they're not surprised hmm. by the fact that you just curse like a sailor and everything like that no yeah they, well they don't care and the thing is like it's like i say to them like everyone's after being authentic right and yeah yeah i mean a lot of our stuff is inbound and it's and it's a lot of it's through me and those people like you say already have an understanding of who i am so it doesn't really cause many problems but it's like i always say to people like you need to decide who you want to work with do you want to work with someone in a three-piece pinstripe suit who you know wears too much wet look gel, brown pasty flickers, and and licks your ass, but doesn't deliver. Or do you want me, who's direct and straight, and a little bit rough around the edges, and swears a bit, but will do everything I can to make sure that you know the, the, the stuff we do works for you and performs. And and I will I will buy into your brand as much as you will. And that that's that's the decision you've got to make. But the one thing I won't do, and the one thing that will never happen, is I will never change for anybody. I'm, I'm, I try to be unapologetically myself, and and that, like I say, that won't change. Yeah, fair play for doing this, man, because it takes some guts to do it, uh, to have this certainty about yourself and this confidence about yourself. But I think that's why you're succeeding in what you do. So Cheers, thanks man. for sharing all of that with me. Thanks for sharing all of these examples. I just no have problem. a few more questions before I let you go. Uh, the first one being, what do you think marketers should learn today? that will help them in the next 10 years, 20 years, 50 years? Learn that you, you're never going to be an expert. Get comfortable with that. Experts in marketing don't exist because marketing trends, the digital world moves too quickly, quickly for any of us to be experts. So yeah, just, just learn to be adaptable. Like adapt at the drop of that. If, if, you're, if someone says, so if, if you're really good at something, I don't care what it is, maybe you're good at a certain way of doing social media and it stops working, change now and figure out what the next thing is. Yeah, and because that happens all the time, you, you, you're never going to be an expert. But the, the more adaptable you are, the more the more you're not attached to the thing that you're doing, and you know that actually I'm going to have to change and do something different if if if, if things change, um, the, the better off you're going to be. What are the top three resources you'd recommend our listeners today? So it could be it could be books, podcasts, anything. The the top three resources. You know what? If you want to get good at content, come up with good ideas. Uh, read a lot of fiction. Read a lot of fiction. Mm -hmm. A lot of marketers, like, you know, it makes me fucking piss when I see these big lists. Yeah. My top 10 marketing tools that I use. And then you look at the fucking company and they're getting absolutely nothing. No engagement. Nobody fucking cares what they're writing. And they're using all these fucking tools and automation this and HubSpot this and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's all lovely. But you know what? If you're messaging your content, your ideas are shit. It all means nothing. Get Get reading. Get reading, get reading fiction. Yeah, get learning about the world. Get reading nonfiction. Get reading science books. Get reading 
Bill Bryson's uh, history of nearly everything, right? Get reading stuff like that. Get knowledgeable. The more knowledgeable you are, the more things you're going to uh, find that can relate to your client and relate to the industries that you're working within. And that means the more, the, the better your ideas will be and the better your campaigns will be. Okay, will that, so that's, that I would say that's two. Almost that's two. two. Well, uh, yes, fiction, non-fiction. <laughs> uh, fiction, non-fiction. Yeah, books, man. Honestly, books. It's all I rely on. Um, in, terms of, uh, in terms of other tools, what would I say that's pretty decent? Ah, it's difficult, mate. It's really difficult. I mean, we we don't tend to use tools, mate. We don't tend to use tools. We use the tools that are given to us. Obviously, all your your, your paid platforms and stuff like that, and we, mm-hmm. you know, and all your, your analytics and coping it. But we don't actually use tools. We don't actually use tools. We are like a, a like I say a pure creative agency, though. Get you know, get good with a pencil before you start designing digitally. Learn to draw. Fuck knows. Yeah. Books, and, books, and pen- books and pencils. There you go. Books and pencils. Old school. Yeah. I can't draw for shit. I absolutely cannot draw for shit. I need to learn. That's one of my... Learn, man. Work. Yeah. Learn. And you know what as well? It's... it's, it's um, I can't draw, mate. My drawings are poop. But the... Uh, but there's something in it. There's something relaxing in it. There's something uh, <laughs> that takes your mind away from stuff, even if you're drawing stick figures with the willy out. Relaxing for you, maybe not for the others who just see your drawings. But yeah, uh, probably not. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, who cares? Who cares about that? <laughs> Dan, once again, you've been a pleasure. Thanks for being so honest. No worries, mate. Sharing those examples. Where can people learn more from you? Yeah, I mean, catch me on LinkedIn. Well, you know, come into the office for a, for a pint. You know, you every man, everyone, anyone who's ever in Manchester, trust me, we, we, we've got an open door policy. Come in, get yourself a can of Stella. Uh, let's 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 debate the world and marketing and stuff. Nice. Be careful, though. I think there are a lot of listeners based in Manchester, so just as soon as this episode oh, yeah. goes live, that's fine. I'm never buy there. some more beers. You know, I'm never there anyway. So <laughs> yeah, that's how you say no, easy. No. Open door policy, you're not even there. Yeah, I don't care. It's just makes my team will have to deal with you. So <laughs> All right, man. Once again, right, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, no worries, man. Yeah, you too. And that's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'm super, super grateful. I'd love for you to consider subscribing to my daily newsletter, Monday to Friday, called Stand the Fuck Out Daily. I send very short, hopefully interesting, surprising, shocking, entertaining content to help you stand the fuck out. It's at everyonehatesmarketers.com. You can subscribe for free and obviously unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm just going to read a couple of emails that I got recently as a reply. Juma said, your content attacks the mind primarily, which is such a good thing because most of us are skilled at what we do, but we don't have the courage to do it our way. Mark, who just subscribed a couple days before, said, this is my first issue of your newsletter. Love it. Glad I subscribed. Brianna said, I just realized this morning that my email habit is now to one, skim through the list, two, select all unread industry email except yours, three, delete and don't think twice, four, quickly skim yours. Amy said, also loving the new content that's coming from you. It feels really lovely. Candle said, I like your writing a lot. It really resonates. There's so much bullshit out there. It's good to touch the authentic. And Chloe said, where is the I fucking love this email button? Brilliant. 
I hope you subscribe. You'll be joining more than 14,000 subscribers at this stage, which is crazy to the size of a small stadium. Anyway, thank you so much. See you on the other side.